I'm Jonathan Capehart and welcome to Capehart. The midterm elections are less than a month away and Democrats are not only hoping to hold their razor-thin majority in the Senate, they're also hoping to pick up two more seats. The person leading that effort is the chair of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, Senator Gary Peters of Michigan. In this conversation, first recorded for Washington Post Live on October 12th, Senator Peters talked about what's at stake in general and the races in Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Ohio in particular. But Senator Peters is also the chair of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, and it was his message to Republican silence in the face of threats to our democracy that was most gripping. It's incumbent on the American people to expect more from their elected officials. And when elected officials remain silent, when they need to speak out, voters need to punish that behavior and make sure that we're electing candidates who will stand up for American democracy. So over the summer, as you well know, Democrats seem to have the wind at their backs. But we're now less than four weeks away from Election Day and the polls in key races are tightening for Democratic candidates. What changed? Well, actually, nothing changed from what we anticipated. We knew the polls would be uh, tightening, and we knew that these uh, elections are all going to be nail biters. They're all going to be very close. Uh, if you would have, if you would have asked me last year, uh, where do you see these races uh, going into the last few weeks? I would have told you all of these battleground states are going to be very, very tight. It's going to be uh, critical for us to have a ground operation to make sure that we turn out voters. Uh, as you know, Jonathan, we have voter turnout in a midterm tends to drop off from where a presidential election is. And so turnout is a, is a major uh, factor. It's something at the DSCC, which uh, uh, I am privileged to chair, uh, has been making significant investments uh, on the ground all across uh, our battleground states to turn out that vote. So we're basically, uh, uh, we're, we're not surprised about where we are. No one should be surprised. <clears throat> with these numbers and know that it's going to come right down to election day and very tight races will determine uh, the majority in the Senate uh, going into the next session. And we'll talk about some some key races in a, in a little bit, but I want to pick up on what you were talking about in terms of turnout. You know, we hear that word all the time. You got to turn out the base. We're making investments to turn out to turn out voters. What exactly do you mean by that? Turn out how? Yeah, well, it's it's our Defend the Majority program that we have instituted. And I'll just uh, tell you in my own experience uh, in 2020 when I ran a very in a very tight race in Michigan, as you recall, it came down uh, to a very tight margin for both me as well as President Biden. Uh, and it was substantial investments so that the DSCC made in Michigan uh, fully two years out from the election, making sure that we had our voters list uh, correct, that we were reaching out to voters, talking about issues that were important to them, ensuring that they got an absentee ballot or were ready to vote on Election Day. All of the mechanics, kind of campaign 101 when it comes to uh, reaching out to those voters who you believe will support uh, your candidates and make sure that they uh, they actually vote. And it's it's not something you can turn on a dime. It's not something we can start up this month and uh, hope that in three weeks uh, we've got great turnout. This is something we've been doing over a long period of time. And quite frankly, I'm very confident that our uh, ground operations are superior to what we uh, are seeing or quite frankly, not seeing on the ground with the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. Turnout is one part of the equation. The other part of the equation uh, is issues are 
are the issues that um, potential voters are interested in. The Supreme Court's ending the constitutional right to abortion fueled a lot of that wind I mentioned earlier, but the latest Washington Post poll shows that the economy and inflation are more pressing. Um, economy at 85% say it's more, most pressing, inflation 78% uh, than abortion, which 62% of those polls said that it was uh, the number one issue or you know very important to them. And a majority of those polled trust Republicans to do a better job handling inflation and the economy, both 54%. How do you turn those trust numbers around, especially on inflation and the economy, handling of both? Well, those are national numbers I think you're looking at. And the numbers that really matter are what's happening in the battleground states. That's where, where the elections are. Right? It's not a national election that we elect senators. It's uh, each state, uh, and in each state, uh, it's a candidate versus candidate uh, race. And that's the, the major advantage that we have going into this uh, election is candidate quality. I think it's very clear. In fact, we have Republican strategists and even the leader of uh, the Republicans in the Senate have said that they have a problem with candidate quality. And ultimately, voters are going to go into that voting booth uh, and they're going to have a choice. They're going to have a very clear choice between two candidates. They're going to take a look uh, at those issues and also look at kind of what's in their gut about the individual candidates. And in every case, I am confident that those voters are going to believe that our Democratic incumbents who are running for re-election are clearly superior to their challengers. And our challengers are running great races and clearly differentiating themselves uh, from their opponents. So uh, I, this is going to be an election where it's going to be dependent on candidate quality. That's usually the difference, particularly in very close races, which we are looking at in all these races. So you add uh, a ground operation, uh, getting our voters out who are highly motivated on particular issues. We're seeing a lot of new voters, for example, highly uh, motivated on the abortion issue. And the fact that Republicans are taking away a, a fundamental right from women is highly motivating. It's why you're seeing voter registrations up, uh, particularly with women, in all of these key states. These are folks who may not have voted otherwise. They may not even be on some of the call sheets for the pollsters, uh, but they're registering that they want to get out uh, and vote. And when you put all of that together with a clear contrast in candidates, uh, I think that's a winning recipe. These races are going to be close. But we're feeling uh, confident we're going to be winning. I hear you on candidate quality, but I sit here wondering if a person, and, and I, I take your point that the poll numbers that I, that from the Washington Post poll that I cited are national, national numbers, but, you know, it's not, it's hard to believe that fear or concern about the economy and, and inflation aren't having an impact on individual Senate races. And so I'm wondering, is candidate quality going to supersede a voter's anger at the party and the majority over that, you know, their anger over the economy or inflation eating into wage gains. Well, well, well certainly, uh, you, we are addressing the economy and how we address with the challenges that we have uh, with inflation. Uh, for example, the inflation we're seeing in this country, uh, very similar to inflation we're seeing in Western Europe. The UK is higher than the United States uh, as a result of coming out of this uh, pandemic. Uh, we know inflation is a difficult problem worldwide. So the question is, who's actually trying to deal with that issue? And Democrats are doing that. If you look at our incumbents in support of the Inflation Reduction Act, this is a, a piece of legislation signed into law that will lower prescription drug prices uh, for seniors. 
It'll cap the amount of money that they pay for uh, for uh, medical costs uh, through their Medicare, a huge issue for seniors all across the, the country. We're dealing with energy costs uh, to try to move away from a dependence on fossil fuels so that we're not tied to our prices for gasoline are not tied to global events like OPEC cutting production or Putin uh, engaged in an illegal and murderous war. Uh, that's uh, going to bring down prices uh, from an energy perspective. So we are actually taking action when it comes to the economy. And I want to remind folks uh, on that legislation uh, that also reduces the deficit, not one Republican voted for it. They are they did not vote for any common sense solutions to dealing with the challenges that we're facing with inflation. And what are they offering up? All we're hearing is that they want to have a national abortion uh, a law. They want to take away fundamental rights uh, from women. They want to challenge elections. We've got candidates that are saying if they lose the election, they're going to challenge it because it's stolen. They want to undermine the fundamental basis of our democracy. That's what they're offering up to the American people. Democrats are dealing with tough issues and we're offering common sense solutions to those issues, whereas Republicans simply are not doing that. Two more issues questions before we get into specific races. This is a question from California from John Sutter, picking up on something you just mentioned in terms of abortion. He's wondering, um, would Democrats ever consider new abortion legislation to take the place of Roe v. Wade? Conservatives are trying to get something off the ground. I know that the Senate, there was a move uh, just after Dobbs by the Senate to try to do something to codify Roe v. Wade. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, there, I certainly, there is a, no, there is a move to look at that as to how do we codify Roe v. Wade. But bottom line, you need to have votes uh, in order to do that. Uh, and that's why these elections are, are so important. If folks believe that Roe v. Wade should continue to be the law of the land, as it has for over a, a half a century, uh, that they need to make sure that that voice is heard loud and clear at the voting booth uh, in the coming uh, weeks. Uh, it is on the ballot. Uh, this is going to impact every state especially if there's a national ban, as the Republicans uh, have uh, proposed. We also know that the Republicans have proposed legislation, for example. I, I mentioned lowering drug costs uh, for seniors through negotiating uh, the uh, price of medicines, taking on the pharmaceutical companies, basically. No Republican voted for that. And now they've introduced legislation to take it away from the American people, a, a, a process by which we can lower drug prices. Uh, this is a race about contrast, and it's a race that should be very clear to the American people uh, that uh, will impact their lives in a very meaningful way. Why it's so important to take a look at this clear contrast between our candidates that are running and make sure that they vote Democratic. One more issue, and that's crime. What's the Democratic response to the Republican mantra on crime and the polls that showed that they are Republicans are more trusted on dealing with crime. Well, well, I'll say uh, the the issue that I'm putting forward is is uh, not uh, accurate where Democrats are. You know, I, I chair the Senate Homeland Security Committee. I wake up every day thinking about keeping Americans uh, safe and have passed and implemented meaningful legislation uh, to do that. Democrats have voted for substantial, substantial resources uh, for police departments and first responders all across uh, this country. When you look at our rescue plan, we helped uh, police departments and first responders get through the challenges that they faced uh, with the pandemic and make them stronger going forward. And on that very important legislation to fund police departments all across the state, all across the country in every single state, Republicans voted no. So they certainly didn't put their money uh, where their mouth is. 
And we all remember January 6th uh, and the, the beating of uh, police officers by that mob. And yet we see Republicans uh, continuing to say, hey, nothing really happened on January 6th. We'll ask those Capitol Police officers who, who, who suffered serious injuries whether or not something happened. Democrats stood with those police officers in the Capitol grounds. We stand with police officers all across our country. All right, let's talk about these, these some specific races. Georgia, um, the incumbent senator, Reverend Senator Raphael Warnock, is in a close race with uh, former NFL star Herschel Walker, who has denied reports that he paid for an ex-girlfriend's abortion. Today in the Washington Post headline, woman, I pressed Walker to pay for abortion he wanted. There's further reporting on this story. My question to you, Senator, is why is this race this close? Well, I, I will say first off, it's close because it's Georgia. Uh, Georgia is going to be a very close race. We certainly uh, saw that in 2020. It uh, was a very close race. There's no reason to think uh, that it'll be different. But there's no question uh, the what we're hearing about uh, Herschel Walker is very troubling. It's very troubling uh, information. But ultimately, it's going to be the people of the state of Georgia that make a decision. This is back to candidate choice. Take a look at uh, Raphael Warnock's outstanding record uh, as a United States Senator. Uh, take a look at who he is uh, as a person and compare that uh, to uh, his opponent. And I'm confident the, the voters of Georgia will see that clear contrast and will support Raphael Warnock. Uh, he will be elected. He will be the next uh, or will continue to be a senator representing uh, the state of Georgia. Uh, but uh, we know this is going to come right down to the wire, which is why we're going to continue to raise the resources we need. Certainly, we need grassroots uh, resources, not just for Georgia, but we need it in all the races. Republicans are outspending us with their super PACs. They've got a guy that gave a billion dollars uh, for their, their cause, a massive amount of money coming in from a very small number of very wealthy contributors are, are attempting to buy these elections. And Democrats do what we always do. Uh, we rely on our grassroots supporters. That's why we have defendthesenate.org, a, a website to, to support the, the work we're doing at the Democratic Senate Campaign Committee to make sure that we can push back against the super PAC money that is uh, trying to buy these elections in these key battleground states. But, you know, so far, our uh, defendthesenate.org is a is a site that's been able to raise the resources. We're confident we're going to be able to, to do that as long as people in this country who care about uh, uh, the values that we stand for, uh, uh, support what we're doing. We, we've got to lock arms here. We're, we're fighting a, a group, a small group of incredibly wealthy individuals uh, who are putting forward extreme candidates uh, in these races who do not represent the people in those states. And I would just encourage everyone, take a good, look, hard look at the candidate who's running in your state and look at the difference in quality and the values that they represent and make sure you get out to vote. Uh, I mean, it's not just billionaires who are standing behind these, well, I'll say it, questionable candidates. Um, your Republican counterpart, Senator Rick Scott of Florida, is gung-ho for Herschel Walker. He and Senator Tim, Tom Cotton did an event with him just the other day. Have a listen to what Senator, Senator Scott had to say about Herschel Walker recently. Herschel's going to win, and they're starting to see. Herschel's going to win, so they're going to throw everything under the sun at him. Uh, I talked to Herschel today. Herschel is a great candidate. He's focused on the right issues. The Dem you know, Democrat Warnock has to defend all of his bad votes in the Biden agenda. That's, that's going to hurt Democrats all across the country. Your response to that? 
Uh, well, uh, uh, certainly uh, Rick Scott is going to say that because they want to have the majority. They want to make sure uh, that uh, McConnell, uh, Senator McConnell is uh, the majority leader in the Senate so they can push forward uh, their agenda. And what is that agenda? We know they've got legislation to have a national abortion ban. Uh, we know, and Rick Scott, in fact, put out information that he wants to reassess uh, Social Security and Medicare, perhaps cut the, those kinds of programs. They have a very extreme agenda. They don't like talking about their issues because they know it's out of step with the American people. Uh, and to them, this is all about power. And they're willing to support candidates who clearly, in my mind, are not ready for prime time. In fact, they're not ready for any time. And they represent extreme views that will actually hurt American families, uh, both in the pocketbook, as well as undermine the very basis of our democracy, which are free and fair elections. Uh, this is a pivotal time in the history of our country. The American people are going to be faced with very clear choice this election. And I believe uh, in the end, uh, we will prevail. So let's move to Pennsylvania in that Senate race between uh, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, Democrat, uh, against his Republican challenger, Mehmet Oz. That race is tightening. How much how much of the reason behind that tightening is, do you think, concern about Fetterman's health? He suffered a stroke back in May. And, uh, you know, again, I, and I'm gonna, I, I sound like a broken record here, but we, we always expected these races uh, to be very tight. That's what happens uh, in the election. In fact, uh, historically, you will see Republican candidates uh, tend to tighten elections uh, uh, as you get closer to elections. So what we're seeing is not anything that we didn't uh, already uh, expect. And certainly John Fetterman, uh, his opponent, is trying to make issues of the fact that he, he had a health condition uh, that he's now recovering from and healing from. Uh, it's curious, it's a doctor who wants to make uh, an issue of a patient who is recovering uh, from, uh, from a health issue. Uh, we all have uh, members of our family or people we've loved who have had strokes and have recovered. It takes uh, time to do it. And we're seeing that with John Fetterman. And he is making remarkable progress. He is out on the campaign trail. He's holding huge rallies with, with people, uh, getting excitement uh, in Pennsylvania. And he's running against a guy who doesn't even really live in Pennsylvania. He's running against a guy who came from New Jersey and uh, claims that he's an everyday guy, but he doesn't even remember how many houses he owns. And those houses are mostly all outside of Pennsylvania, except one that he recently uh, uh, purchased. Uh, he is a, a person who uh, strongly uh, supports Trump and that agenda and election denial. And uh, he is uh, certainly not a Pennsylvanian. So we've got We've got John Fetterman, who is someone who has a distinguished record uh, in Pennsylvania, fighting for the people of Pennsylvania, running against a guy from New Jersey. Um, you left out the word crudite also in your critique, <laughs> in your critique of Dr. Oz. Um, what, one more question on Pennsylvania. How pivotal and how decisive will the debate between Fetterman and Oz be in that race? Uh, well, certainly, uh, I, I believe in debates. It's good to, to have debates for people to see the clear contrast. Uh, and, I, and I'm confident uh, when folks see the, the two candidates on the debate stage uh, that the, the choice will be clear and John Fetterman will be the next United States senator from Pennsylvania. All right, let's, let's turn to Ohio because Democratic Congressman Tim Ryan uh, debated his Republican challenger, J.D. Vance. They each landed some punches uh, Tim Ryan, Congressman Ryan, came out of that debate uh, to some good press and good reviews. But the next morning on Morning Joe, 
Uh, Congressman Ryan complained that he's getting no help whatsoever from the party. Is the DSCC not providing support to Ryan? And if not, why not? Uh, well, we have provided the, the DSCC. Uh, we have provided uh, resources uh, for uh, for Tim Ryan. He's an outstanding candidate. There's no question uh, he is uh, uh, an incredibly strong uh, candidate running an absolutely uh, great race uh, in Ohio. Uh, we have provided resources. So we've provided help with him and some of his uh, media. Uh, we continue to work closely with him. And, and I help raise money all across uh, the country for him from individual donors uh, uh, that will help him. Uh, and he's getting that support now. He needs to continue to get that. Uh, certainly grassroots support is critically important for all of our candidates. And you look at that in all of our battleground states. The, the reason that we're competitive on the, on the money front uh, is not super PACs. Uh, super PACs are primarily all on the Republican side in terms of the amount of money that they have. They have massive amount of money that they're pouring into all of these races. Democrats, our only ability to, to have the resources necessary to run the kind of campaigns we need to run is when our grassroots supporters kick into things like defendthesenate.org. When, when, when people are giving money through those uh, online platforms that help us at the DSCC, that allows us to help races in Ohio as well as all of our uh, main races all across the, the country. So uh, I believe uh, in his candidacy. Uh, the, my organization, the DSCC, has invested in his candidacy and in his campaign. And we're going to continue, and I will continue, to work to raise money uh, from individual donors all across this country uh, to help us uh, make sure that Tim Ryan is elected to the United States Senate. And I believe he can do that. I was about to ask, I mean, y'all going to cut him a check? I mean, there's, there's like four more weeks. Every, every penny helps. Well, you know, where we are right now, obviously, this is uh, crunch time uh, for us. Uh, and so we are looking at all of our battleground states uh, literally on a daily basis. Uh, we're going to be there to make sure that uh, we get races uh, across the, the the finish line. Uh, but uh, it is a constant assessment uh, that we're making. And we're going to do everything we possibly can to support each and every one of our battleground candidates to the extent that we can. Uh, but understand that our money is not unlimited. Uh, we have a, a budget that we have to work with. And that's why I continue to just encourage folks who really understand how important this election is to get online, to support their individual candidates. Uh, in fact, our website, our, our defendthesenate.org, you can go there and you can look at all of the different individual candidates that are in our battleground states. And folks can give to that individual candidate to make sure that individual candidate that they believe most strongly about can have a chance, a real fighting chance to win. And when that happens, I'm confident we will not only hold the majority, we will also have an opportunity to pick up some seats and extend it. But it's going to take every, all of us locking arms together and understanding that we've got to do this together as a team. Uh, and that's what Democrats have done in the past and what we're going to have to do in the future. Senator, we have less than a minute left, and I want to use that time to switch gears with this last question. As you mentioned earlier in the interview, you are the chair of the Homeland Security Committee. And I'm just w wondering, how concerned are you that we could have a repeat um, of a January 6th style insurrection, either here in the nation's capital or in a state capital, some anywhere in the country? Well, I'm, I'm very concerned about the, the rise of uh, extremist uh, uh, movements, uh, groups that we're seeing in this country, violent extremist groups. We've engaged the Department of Homeland Security to monitor what is happening on social media sites. I've also had uh, hearings, just recently have another hearing on how social media 
uh, actually uh, uh, takes uh, folks who have some kind of sort of interest uh, in a particular topic and then takes them down a rabbit hole that often leads to extremist material and has the impact of sometimes uh, turning that uh, what they're reading on social media platforms into actual violence, whether it's at the U.S. Capitol or individual capitals uh, or in our communities. We are facing a very dangerous situation right now with the rise of extremist groups and politicians who, who flame those fires and flame that hate that can exist within some of these individuals, it is a very dangerous situation. Uh, and uh, certainly I'm focused on it. Uh, the department, I've been working closely with the Department of Homeland Security to make sure they're focused on it, but it's also incumbent for Americans all across this country to condemn what they're seeing and condemn politicians that, that flame or, or fuel those flames and make sure that their voice is heard loud and clear on uh, on election day. One more, I know I've got you over time and I'm sorry, Senator, but one more question. How, um, how surprised are you that Republican leaders, leaders are silent in the face of, of the hate that is coming from their party? Uh, I, I'm beyond disappointed. I think it's out, outrageous. As elected officials, uh, we have an obligation to lead and to strengthen uh, the democracy of this great nation of ours. We also have an obligation to fight against violence and political violence uh, in particular, which has absolutely no place uh, in an American uh, democracy in this uh, amazing democratic republic that we have. And to have political leaders remain silent uh, means that they're complicit. Uh, it is unacceptable. And folks who remain silent in the face of the challenges uh, to our very core democracy, they should be soundly rejected by the American people. It's incumbent on the American people to expect more from their elected officials. And when elected officials remain silent, when they need to speak out, voters need to punish that behavior and make sure that we're electing candidates who will stand up for American democracy. Senator Gary Peters, chairman of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. Thank you so much for coming to Capehart and Washington Post Live. And I really appreciate your going a little bit over, over time with me today. Thank you. My pleasure. Good to be with you, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to Capehart. It's produced by Nick Roberts. We'll have new episodes for you every Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Capehart. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now.